0: more info now.
1: Our world is full of the unexplainable. And if history is an open book, all of these amazing tales are right there on display, just waiting for us to explore. Welcome to the Cabinet of Curiosities. Napoleon Bonaparte's career was defined by success. Over 60 battles fought and only eight losses. That's a record very few can live up to. Maybe it's because he planned obsessively, analyzing every detail and preparing for every potential outcome. Perhaps it was because he was annoyingly practical, having expanded on tactics put forth by his predecessors in order to carry out his grand plans for conquest. Or, heck, Maybe it was both of those things. Despite Napoleon's strategic genius, though, there were some battles he simply couldn't prepare for, no matter how long he researched. In one instance, the opposing army was too unpredictable, too ferocious, too difficult to comprehend, and it resulted in one of the most devastating losses of his military career. In July of 1807, Napoleon's French army had just won a major battle against the Russian Empire. With that victory, he brought an end to the hostilities between both sides, which resulted in a peace treaty. Once signed, Napoleon decided the best course of action would be to celebrate. He instructed his chief of staff, Alexander Berthier, to organize a luncheon for the highest ranking men in the French military. But it wasn't just a luncheon. No, these men were soldiers. They didn't want to eat, they wanted to kill the food that they would enjoy together, and nothing would have been more sporting than a good old-fashioned rabbit hunt. Berthier, not someone to carry out a task for his boss lightly, arranged cages teeming with thousands of rabbits around the perimeter of a vast grassy meadow. After a period of mingling and talking shop, the men picked up their rifles, boarded a carriage, and set out for the hunt. Once the men arrived, the cages were open and the rabbits hopped into the field. Except they didn't scatter. They weren't afraid at all. They took one look at Napoleon and his hunting party and their agenda became clear. The hunters became the hunted. An ocean of bunnies charged toward them, waves of fur and ears coming for the seasoned French officers. And rather than aiming their guns, they simply watched and laughed. After all, what kind of harm could a bunch of rabbits do? As an aside, I'm sure most of you have heard the phrase, a murder of crows, right? A murder is a quasi-technical term for a group of crows, like a pride of lions. For rabbits, the options are a bit less entertaining. A warren, a herd, or even a husk. But my personal favorite is a trip. And that's what Napoleon's officers were facing down. A trip of bunnies. As the incursion grew closer, Napoleon's good nature quickly turned to one of fear. The rabbits surrounded the hunters, climbing up their legs and torsos as the men tried hopelessly to brush them off. They used their riding crops, nearby sticks, and anything else they could get their hands on to beat back the onslaught of furry fiends. But nothing worked. The rabbits kept attacking and Napoleon, not one to run from battle lightly, knew defeat when he saw it. He had no choice but to retreat, so he and the men jumped back into their carriage hoping to escape. But the bunnies seemed to have learned some military strategy of their own, like divide and conquer. They split into two groups and flanked the carriage on all sides. Some even managed to make it inside as it was rolling away. It wasn't until the carriage was out of sight when the animals finally calmed down. The most brilliant military man in generations had been outdone by an invading army of rabbits, But at least napoleon had someone else to blame for the fiasco his chief of staff bertier you see on such short notice it had been impossible for bertier to find enough wild hares to satisfy a party full of hunters so he'd put out word to the local farmers that he wanted to buy their rabbits only too happy to oblige a man so prominent within napoleon's army the farmers had agreed and sold him all the rabbits they had If only Berthier had done his research, he would have learned that farm-raised rabbits were conditioned. They had come to identify the presence of a human being as a sign that food was on its way. They weren't attacking so much as they were looking for their next meal. And Napoleon? Well, he suffered the most humiliating defeat of his career. One might even say, it tripped him up. Not long after Italy declared war against France and Britain during World War II, the country became a major target for Allied bombers. Not of all those targets, Naples held the title as the most bombed Italian city of the war. Hospitals and churches were leveled, residential neighborhoods became battlegrounds, and roughly 60,000 Italian civilians had been killed in bombing raids by the end of the war. While the country bounced back relatively quickly, so much had already been lost and would never be recovered. The bombers had carried out the attacks as a form of liberation. From tyranny, from fascism, from the clutches of an autocratic dictator, swooping in, dropping their payloads, and flying back to their respective bases. Bombing raids became standard fare during the war, but pilots always had unpredictable factors to deal with. Sure, there were enemy planes to watch out for, as well as return fire from soldiers on the ground, but a pilot's deadliest enemy, inside or outside of war, has always been the weather. Blue skies could turn gray in seconds, and suddenly a routine flight home meant negotiating high winds and lightning while also struggling to remain in the air. And for one particular B-24 bomber, nicknamed Lady Be Good, the weather would prove to be a more dangerous foe than any Nazi. Lady Begood's crew had just wrapped up a bombing run over Naples on the afternoon of April 24, 1943, when it ran into trouble. The mission had been simple. A squadron of 12 bombers would fly over the city first, followed by another group of 13 bombers right after. At just after 3 p.m., Lady B. Good had taken off from Benghazi, Libya, when a sandstorm kicked up, making visibility almost impossible. The B-24 fell behind from the rest of the planes, but eventually made it to Naples several hours later, along with three others. When their mission was over, they turned around and headed back to base. But Lady Good's navigation system started acting up. The pilot, Lieutenant William Hatton, radioed for a landing location, but it never came. Hatton flew directly over the base, taking his crew and his plane deep into the Sahara Desert. Hours passed and fuel was running low. With no way to land safely, Hatton instructed his men to put on their parachutes and abandon the plane. At 2 a.m., nine men jumped from the Lady Be Good, allowing the plane to fly solo to its final resting place in the dark of night. Rescue efforts were launched the next day, with teams scouring the desert and the Mediterranean Sea for any signs of wreckage. When they found nothing, the men and their lady were presumed lost. It wasn't until 15 years later when british petroleum workers spotted something from the air over the kalanchio sand sea they'd been scouting locations for potential drilling and radioed authorities at a local airbase about their discovery no one had any idea what was out there there were no records of any wrecks that far into the desert a few months later more reports of a downed plane started pouring into the base so on may 26th of 1959 A recovery team started investigating the claims. And there it was the Lady Be Good, broken into two pieces, but otherwise intact. The plane had been remarkably well preserved, no doubt due to the dry desert environment. The machine guns still worked. There were still food and water rations on board. Even a thermos of tea had been found, with the liquid inside still drinkable. By all appearances, it seemed the crew had abandoned the plane mid flight but never found her again. In the winter of the following year, the US Army began sweeping the desert for signs of the plane's crew. They found the bodies of 5 of the men, including Lieutenant Hatton, while most of the others were eventually discovered later having been buried in the sand. Only the gunner, Staff Sergeant Vernon Moore, remained unaccounted for. After Lady Begood's discovery, some of her parts were sent back to the United States to be evaluated by teams of engineers. The military, hoping to save a little money, saw an opportunity to repurpose those parts on other aircraft, a decision they would soon come to regret. Transmitters from the Lady Be Good were installed in a C 54 Skymaster, a transport plane, that was forced to abandon its cargo in an emergency landing after suffering from propeller problems. Another transport plane was fitted with the bomber's radio receiver before it disappeared into the Mediterranean. Even inconsequential pieces from the Lady Be Good seemed cursed after being installed in other aircraft. A single engine prop plane crashed off the coast of Libya, almost all of it lost beneath the waves, except for an armrest that had washed ashore. An armrest that had come from the Lady Be Good. Despite its amazing resilience, it seems that the Lady Be Good just couldn't live up to its name. Its legacy, after all, more than a little bad. I hope you've enjoyed today's guided tour of the Cabinet of Curiosities. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or learn more about the show by visiting curiositiespodcast.com. This show was created by me, Aaron Mankey, in partnership with How Stuff Works. I make another award winning show called Lore, which is a podcast, book series, and television show.